Hello listeners, you're listening to Zone 1 Digest, the best of Zone 1 Radio, Central London's community radio station, funded by the Mayor of London and occasional guest on the station, Bojo himself. I'm Stuart Hardy, Zone 1 Radio's furry-faced office goblin, and I'm here to present you with some precious clips from our archives. To start with, a show we haven't seen on here in a while, London Life, the show about people living and working in London with tweed-jacketed Ian Hawkins. And since we haven't had it on here in a while, we've got two clips from two editions, one with Ian talking to the world's greatest Japanese Peruvian comedian Yuki Takeshi about his funniest things and one with an actual real beef eater on the station talking about the merits of tablets and other modern technology. Yeah, this is just what the show's like. It's all happening on London Life. So over to you, silly Mr. Ian Hawkins. Yes, it's time for... Da, 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 da. These are a few of my funniest things. Yeah, there's a little bit yes, of music indeed. here. There's the orchestra coming, choirs, uh-huh. a little bit of little church organ. Lovely. It'd be really good. Uh, and I'm joined by uh, Yuki Tokeshi. Yuki, hello. 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 Hi, I'm Yuki. Hi. You've been doing stand-up for about a year. Yes, about a year now. About a year. And you, um, we, did, we did your first gig at the same place as me. Not, yes. No. I, well, <laughs> hang on, that was a really weird way of saying we were on the same bill. Yeah. Yeah, we were on the same bill, yeah. which is a, a great privilege to actually be with a real <laughs> comedian. <laughs> on the same Did you feel slightly soiled afterwards? Um, I enjoyed it. It was a fun experience. It's a weird gig for for your first time out. Yeah, it was it was quite strange, but it was the time when I knew that I was funny and that everybody would laugh. <laughs> I should explain. It was actually in someone's house. It was a private comedy house. Yes, party. comedy house party. Yes. But it's very nice. It wasn't. It wasn't a huge audience, obviously, but it was. It was. They were packed in, and yep. they were. We had some musical acts, some yep. wannabe Tim Minchins. Yeah, Sit, uh, people sitting on the floor, plenty of booze, and it was. Uh, and they were very supportive. I yeah, well done, actually. Mm. Anyway, so let's ca- crash on. So, a few of your funniest things. What are the What are the funny things you've you've brought in to share with us? The first thing is a Japanese cartoon series mm-hmm. called Crayon Shinchan. It's about this little five-year-old uh, mischievous boy, mm-hmm. um, and he's a he's a bit of a playboy. He loves women. He's always flirting with women. He's five. Um, he's five. That, <laughs> and that's kind of where part of the comedy comes from. He chats up women by asking them whether they can eat green peppers or not. He's a kid and he struggles yeah. to eat it. And what I found interesting about it was the fact that. All of he doesn't have there's no he doesn't have any secret powers. There's no monsters in this cartoon series. It's just about this little boy and his life with his parents and with his friends, and it's very Japanese culture specific. Hmm. Yet that being the case, it has spread all around the world. I've seen it broadcast in Spain, dubbed into Spanish, and watching little kids. Uh, watching this little mischievous Japanese boy getting his buttocks out and dancing around <laughs> and parents going disapprovingly, oh, what is this nonsense that they're watching? Uh, I remember my dad actually banned me from watching it because I used to do this little buttocks out <laughs> dance in the living room and he thought it was very bad. You were 21 at the time, though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, how, old were you when, how old were you when you first saw this? I must have been around eight, maybe. So that kind of age, very young. Okay, so... Very young. The reason why I mention it in this context is because being half Japanese, having grown up in Japan, I've always been interested in figuring out whether there is a way to translate comedy over the Pacific. 
Pacific, I guess Pacific. Yeah. So whether you know British comedy can be translated to a Japanese audience and vice versa, and people don't think it can, but you do see a lot of Japanese cartoon series which don't really happen in the UK or America,、um, traveling very well to other countries, to China, to to, to Southeast Asia, and surprisingly to Spain.、Mm. Uh, I saw when, last time I was in Spain. I, saw, I switched on the TV and I only got Spanish telly, but it, it had is it Takeshi's Castle? Takeshi's Castle. Takeshi's yeah. Castle. Yeah,、uh, but it was overdubbed in Spanish, which is、uh-huh. fine. But then they made a big song and dance on the credits of it being voiced by Craig Charles, and I thought it was a huge name. Craig Charles presents.、Uh-huh. I thought, but he doesn't, does he? Because it's just a voiceover that you've had to overdub. Um, yeah. So an anonymous Spaniard who we will never know. This is someone. I'm Ian Hawkins. You're listening to part two of my Guy Fawkes special. After finding out about the plot at the National Archive in Kew, I decided to go and see where the prisoners have been kept, which means the Tower of London. And who better to talk to than the Yeoman Jailer himself? Turn that down so I can hear. His name is Alan, and he used to be high up in Comet, the electrical retailers. Woe betide anybody that tried shoplifting from him. Surrounded by the ancient stone walls of the Tower of London, Alan, in full beefy to drag, gave me his very twenty-first century opinion、right. on tablet computers. Well, you know, there we go. It's an iPad. After it should have gone for the Galaxy Tab. Yeah. Well, so you are the Yeoman Jailer. I am. I can、yes. call you Alan. Yes, please. Yep.、Yeah. Okay, Alan.、Uh, so what? What? what Do your duties here involve? <laughs>、um, it's a bit of everything, really. I mean,、um, I generally run the day-to-day、um, coverage of the tower. So, from from opening to close, I look after、um, the welfare of the visitors through my staff,、um, <laughs> the yeoman body. We have somewhere in the region on any one day of twenty-one yeoman warders on duty. And it's my job to make sure they do their duties accordingly. Okay.、Um, in delighting the customer, two and a half million visitors come to the Tower of London, and pretty much every one of them is expecting to see instruments of torture because such is the reputation of the of the place. People th- thought that an awful lot of torture went on in here, but it wasn't the case at all.、Uh, you know, very few, even less than one percent, were actually、um, tortured. If you if you look at the documentary evidence. That supports that, so you know it, it's pretty much the reputation of the place. I asked Alan how you actually got to be a yeoman. All of us yeoman warders, we are all former military men,、um, having served in either the, the army, the air force, the Royal Marines, or the Royal Navy. Now,、um, achieving 22 years military rank,、uh, military service rather, and attaining the rank of warrant officer. All of us have to have. Um, a specific medal, which is known as a long service and good conduct medal,、um, it's not awarded to everybody.、Um, if you misbehave in your military career, then it's likely you won't get it. It actually tells of good character. Okay, presumably delighting people that are in the tower is a fairly modern addition to the role of、uh, yeoman jailer. What what would your role historically have been? Well, historically,、um, the allocation of prisons to Um, the various prison cells, in many respects,、um, the yeoman body even then were tasked to look after、uh, set prisoners. So, you know, an individual 
or individuals came into the tower, they would be allocated to a young warder who would um, look after them in, in respect of obviously their um, security, their confinement and so on, to make sure they didn't escape. And also, generally speaking, their, their wives would fetch and carry and prepare food and so on for them, certainly at a price. So they were either treated extremely well or extremely badly. Different prisoners would be treated in different ways. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the, the Tower of London wasn't, um, per se, a, a common criminal's prison. Um, you had to be something very important to become a prisoner here. Mm-hmm. Do you see any parallels? You've been in the, you've been in the armed services, so you, you might have a, a better appreciation of this than most. You know, we talk about waterboarding people. Yeah, and extraordinary rendition and this kind of thing. Do you see there's any, any particular parallels between what went on in the 1600s and what, what goes on now with waterboarding? And, um, well, I hope waterboarding doesn't go on now, um, is the answer. Certainly in my, um, in my experience in the army, um, and dealing with, um, uh, I was actually stationed in Northern Ireland, in Lankesh, uh, actually, when Jerry Adams was um, was, was held in there, and uh, an air job was to um, obviously to keep the prisoners secure, um, but we were under very strict um, rules not to inflict any harm on these people. Um, we weren't allowed to to go and cause you know torture to these individuals without justification, and, and the only justification for us to do that was if our own lives were at risk. So Alan's day-to-day life is less torturing of confession out of a prisoner and more trying to convince the delivery people that, yes, people do actually live in the Tower of London. As we came to the end of our chat, there was just one small thing I wanted to be absolutely clear on. You wouldn't rack me, would you, Alan? Um, no, you're tall enough, I think. Thanks for listening to this week's London Life. Next week we will have square brackets insert something funny here, close square brackets. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll settle with that. Zone1radio.com Hello listeners, you're listening to Zone One Radio, founded by the apostle of the age of Twitter, Matthew Layton, the butt of my jokes and presenter for London GP, Zone One Radio's show about things that go vroom. This week's GP sees only the blooming most respected motorsport journalist in the business, Autosport Editor-in-Chief Andrew Vandenberg, looking forward to the evening's races and getting all excited about it, because that's just what he's like. Followed by a rather insulting music choice that I hold absolutely no responsibility for. It was in Matthew's track listing, and I merely chose it at random. Blame him. So, let's have a chat with Mr. Vandenberg. Editor. Joining me now, it's only the most blooming respected motorsport journalist in the world, Andy Vandenberg. Andy, how are you, sir? I am very well, thank you, and I'm really looking forward to this showdown that we've been blessed with this weekend. Yeah, you must be like a, a kid at Christmas. Uh, well, you know, after a, a great year, to be honest, with lots of different winners and an exciting race and whatever, I think it would have been wrong for it all to have been decided a week early and to be left with a dead rubber at the end. So the fact that actually there's still a fair amount to play for is, uh, is a great idea. Yeah, um, did you enjoy uh, last weekend? I actually had ribs. Did you? I didn't, but I did drink a, a reasonable amount of Budweiser. <laughs> yeah, well, frankly, you need to drink a reasonable amount of Budweiser to get anywhere, don't you? Really? Well, exactly. It's, it's the same as, uh, as, a, as a couple of normal beers. Um, I, I noticed this morning in my inbox, uh, Charles Pick is being moved up to Caterham. Uh, he's just the money, isn't he? 
Well, there's, there's your cynicism for you. There yeah. you go. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just it's the wrong way around. <laughs> Normally, it's me going, motorsport is entertainment, and you're going, no! Uh, but, yeah, it's it's a. I mean, that is a comment on where contemporary Formula One is at. I mean, here's a guy that's got a, a good, a strong, decent record in junior single seater. The sort of person who, in the eighties, would have would have done fifty or sixty Grand Prix for back of the grid French team. You know, yeah, Ray GS or Ligier or someone like that, and probably wouldn't have to have put his hand too deep in his pocket to have done it. But you know, in the in the world that we're in now, he has to he has to pony up the readies to get himself into a catering but although in fairness you have to question whether that's actually a move up the grid for next year given how lamentably poor they've been recently and that Marussia seem to be moving forward albeit slightly glacially So come on, the money shot, what's going to happen this weekend? Uh, well I think you need um, Michael Fish or maybe a weatherman with a track record of being slightly more accurate to uh, <laughs> ultimately tell you the answer to that because it's slightly uh, in the hands of the gods uh, in, in a fair fight um, it's vessels all the way I just don't see how um, if Alonso can beat him I don't see how he can beat him by the three or four cars that he needs to in order to uh, overturn that points deficit um, I, I think all things being equal and there being no reliability problems then Vettel will will finish first or second. I think a bit like uh, Austin, it's a straight fight between him and Hamilton um, for overall honours here, um, with Alonso, you know, performing heroics uh, to uh, outperform the car and uh, stay in the picture. But I, I'm struggling to see how he's actually going to finish ahead of Vettel. You um, just th- what you're saying there is that Alonso's your driver of the season, aren't you? Yes, absolutely. I'm, 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 I mean, I'm a big Vettel fan, so I'm, I'm, I wouldn't knock him, but I think what, what Alonso's done in a car that apart from a, 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 a considerable period in the middle of the season in that European season where Ferrari got on top of it uh, he's managed all of this in a, in a car that really wasn't the uh, the class of the field and to have kept in the championship fights for so long is a, is a real testimony to how well he's driven OK, now time for our cultural exchange programme um, I gather you're going out this weekend I am. I'm popping down to Brighton to uh, to see a, a, a guy or a group called Father John Misty. Um, probably means nothing to you, but he used to be the drummer in Fleet Foxes, who were, uh, were a great band. No, 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 um, no, no. Big, big fan of Fleet Foxes. Ah, um, uh, well, okay. Uh, well, you'll enjoy this then. Yeah, he was he was a drummer in there. Left um, before they got big, so he he uh, he drummed on that uh, EP they had that came out before um, before the first album. But uh, he, anyway, his solo album is is fantastic, and my my favourite tune on that is called Hollywood Forever Cemetery Sings. It's a great tune. Sounds like a cheery little number that one. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna love that. It's, it's, it's really mainstream, you know. You know me. I'm just I'm just commercial. More VDB noodly <laughs> folk action. <laughs> that was quite rocky, actually. It's, it's, it's less it's less noodly and more rocky. Uh, but some of it's really Grant Parsons. So I'm not, I, would, I wouldn't pick one of those up for, for fear that you'll just be inundated again with uh, requests for downloading um, Americana. That you're just not interested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of those ones where Andy's music request will be coming up later, i.e. at the end of the show when everyone's turned off anyway. Yeah, it's quite short as well, so it, it will segue in nicely. Well, Mr. Chief, thank you very much as always for your time. My pleasure. Cheers, man. 
Hello listeners, you're listening to Zone 1 Digest, the best of London's community radio station presented by me, Stuart Hardy, nerdy hairy man sat in his room counting the hours until the Hobbit movie comes out. And next up comes the very unhairy, well, it depends, topic of relationships and the idea of adopting masculine and feminine traits within relationships. Viv Oyalu presents Dream Corner and talks to founder of the Evolve Wellness Centre, Corinne Blum, where people come together to collectively evolve through counselling. Mentally evolve, that is, the other way would be absurd. I mean, you need Petri dishes and Bunsen burners and things for one. So yeah, over to you Viv and Ms. Corinne Blum. So, Corinne uh, runs Evolve. This, this, this where we're at uh, Evolve in, in South Ken. Yeah. So, so you work with women, uh, helping them with the relationships as well. Yeah. So, how, how does that work? Because you seem to be in a very good relationship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always been fascinated with relationship mm. and just using my own personal relationships as a as a spiritual teacher. Mm. Um, so, how I work with people is firstly really cultivating a very strong relationship to yourself so as I would say the authentic self is really discovering who are you underneath the layers and the masks and who we think we should be um, and the roles that we play in society so that you have a really um, you know a, a strong sense of self and then from that place you really look at how do I receive I, I always think it's about receiving the person that is in alignment with who we are, that is a reflection of that. And I find it a really fun, creative process. I think that finding a partner has become a really stressful job for people, you know, and it's really hard to why, find why somebody. Why do you think that is? Why do you think it's... It's a good question. I, I think, in general... People are stressed out in general, and they're working really hard. And and because we're redefining what we want out of a relationship, we don't know what that looks like, so we don't know how to, to find it. And, and I kind of switched the paradigm, and instead of really looking for it, you're, you're focusing more on... Who do, who do I want to be in relationship? How do I want to feel? How do I want to show up in that relationship? And, and then making yourself available and open to receiving that relationship. Because when we're looking for something, you know, it's like when you're desperately trying to find your keys, you cannot find them. And the moment you just go, okay, I'm going to just go into the Rolodex of my mind and go, where, where did I last see them and put it away? And then they just pop up yeah and it's that similar you know when we when we're not desperately seeking for something we relax Mm -hmm. and when we relax things appear they're always there but we just can't see them when we're so single focused we're not able to see the broader perspective Mm -hmm. that makes sense yes it does i'm just thinking of um some women who, you know, any woman whose uh, biological clock is ticking yeah. and, you know, she, she wants to get married and, or, you know, she wants to be in a relationship and um, have a child, yeah. um, that could be quite consuming, all-consuming. Absolutely. And uh, many of my clients are right on that, that point. What, what do you need? That's the biggest thing. Women are not always very good at giving themselves what they need. <laughs> and actually, not only giving themselves, identifying what they need. Right. Because yeah. that, that's, a, that's another thing. And I personally had, you know, um, thought about this. Someone had challenged me, and I, uh, not challenged me, asked me, oh, so what are your needs in a relationship? And I was like, um, what do you mean? Mm. And she said, no, yeah, you, you need to, to know what you 
want in a relationship or need in a relationship. And I think a lot of women don't identify with that because other things of, you know, past relationships have never let them, yeah. you know, get into that frame of mind or believing yeah. that, you know, they need or want something from a relationship. Well, and this is where, uh, what I was saying, that we're, we're redefining what relationship is. Mm. Because if you look at history, you know, there's been arranged marriages. The, the woman, you know, back a long time ago has been subservient to the man. The man can have mistresses, but the woman can't. Mm. And it's very much of like a survival-based relationship. And now women are actually going, well, wait a second. I, I want to be in love. I want to have a companion. I want to have somebody that nurtures me. I want somebody that inspires me, but that I can inspire them, that mm. I can give to them. It, it, it is looking at more of an equal ground mm. and, and a partnership. You know, mm. it's really, I always say, can, can this person also be your best friend? And do you, do you love spending time with them? Mm. And and learning how to express our needs is, I think, actually a very new thing in relationship. You know, very very new, and and it's probably one of the most challenging things. You know, communication is really oh yeah. <laughs> this is Zone One Radio. Hello, listeners. This is Zone One Digest, the show you've assumedly been listening to for the last half an hour. If you weren't, then I don't know how that happened. Thanks for listening and make sure to tune into all the awesome content uploaded by others so I can sponge off them on zone1radio.com and follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash z1radio. Zone1radio.com.